Hello. Welcome to Flagged, episode six. Mm-hmm. So exciting. I know. Um, let me just make sure it records even when I, when I shrink it, does it still record? Yep. Okay, cool. I'm not going to shrink it though, because that makes me nervous. Ha ha ha. Yep. <laughs> um, why are you sideways? Hmm? Can you flip your FaceTime to be the other way? There we go. Oh, okay. Well, okay. Is that okay? Yep. Okay. Um... <laughs> Welcome to episode six of Flagged. This is the first time that Sarah and I are attempting to record from three hours away from each other. Mm-hmm. So Sarah's at Temple. I'm at good old Penn State. Yep. Sarah, how has the beginning of your semester gone? It's been good, honestly. Pretty good. I like my classes better. That's good. I'm in art school, so um, Ugh, we love an awful. art major. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's going good. I like my classes. Yeah, that's good. My classes, um, they're hard, <laughs> mm-hmm. considering late dropping one of them already, so we love that, but it's okay. Oh. Good. Um, but yeah, so we are recording today, and I'm going to tell Sarah a ditty. I... <laughs> a ditty? A ditty. I am going to tell Sarah about the serial killers Alton Coleman and Deborah Brown. Mm-hmm. It's a couple... Exciting. A couple of serial killers, so we love that for them. We yep. love that journey for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and these crimes take place in the Midwestern United States between May and July of 1984. Okay. So in the Midwest. That's pretty. That's pretty quick. Yeah, pretty quick. It was like a. It was like a spree. Okay. Short lived, but a lot happens. So there's a lot of information in this podcast. So buckle in because there's a <laughs> lot of names, a lot of towns. This takes place in six different states. Oh my so god. <laughs> it's a lot, so just get ready. Yeah. I wrote eight pages on this case. <laughs> That's eight pages too many. Um, just kidding. Rude? Maybe. It's just a lot. <laughs> it is a lot. We said that last episode when we talked about um Gary Heidnick. Gary Heidnick, that seven pages is a lot, and we've outdone ourselves we're on eight. So yep. But it is size sixteen font, so I can read it. Ah. So there it's we go. Not... That's how mine was too though. So <sighs> Well, you always get them with the font size. You though. always get them with the font size. What font do you go towards? I use Times New Roman, or I use like no, the you do one. not. You use Times yeah. New Roman. You are disgusting. Yeah? What do you use? Calibri or Helvetica? Oh, I tried today. What did I try today? Because I like the way it looks on my resume. Because I made a resume last week. I tried mm-hmm. using Franklin Gothic, and it really didn't work out. No, no. it needs to be like simple. Yes, Calibri. Why would you? Oh, God. Times New Roman just feels like I'm reading a newspaper. Uh, Yeah, but it's also, like, what I write all my essays with, so I'm just, like, used to reading Times New Roman, you know? No, I'm that bitch who, like, wrote my essays in Calibri and then turned it into Times New Roman. Oh, you're whack. Yeah, well, it's whatever. That's bizarre. So, anyway. Okay, so disclaimer about this case. Um... This case is, at some parts, very gruesome, very detailed. It goes into um, accounts of sexual assault, rape, murder, um, and some of it was really hard for me to even read, so talking about it um, is hard, and so if you don't like those sorts of things, I will give you a warning um, right before the case that really got to me personally, but just so you know ahead of time, this case is not for the faint of heart. It's pretty sad at some points, so yeah. 
Okay, and another disclaimer, um, I'm recording this in my dorm room because I couldn't find the recording booths on campus. I will find them for next episode, but so if you hear noises, it's because I live across from the bathroom, so we <laughs> love that. I will try my best to stop talking when someone <laughs> flushes the toilet. <laughs> so yeah. Luckily, okay. yeah, luckily I found the, the temple, like, recording booth. This is pretty cool, actually. Yeah, no, I'm excited. It's, like, this I, really spooky-looking room. Yeah, I'm excited to go to the ones here, but when I went the other day, it was, like, really quiet, and I didn't know who to ask, and I couldn't find them, so oh. we love that. Anyway, oh, so, yeah. So, back to Alton Coleman and Deborah Brown. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, I'm going to give you a little bit of background on both of these humans. So, Deborah Brown was born on November 11th, 1111, make a wish, um, oh, my God. 1962. Mm-hmm. She was one of 11 children, <gasps> and Deborah Brown no. was borderline mentally retarded. Oh. <laughs> Not a joke. Okay. Not using it in a bad way. She was actually borderline mentally retarded, and she was described as having a dependent personality, so she really depended on others. Oh, if she was okay. alone, she probably wouldn't have done that well. Tea. She suffered head trauma as a child. And it was later found out that she had an IQ of about 59 to 74. Oh, no. Now, if you remember last episode, we talked about Gary Heidnick, and he had an IQ of 148. Oh, my God. let that give you some perspective on Deborah Brown's capacity. Oh, no. Okay. So, that's the basics of Deborah Brown. There's not much about her early life simply because this case really more revolves around her um accomplice because she was kind of she was the lesser she kind of just did what Mm -hmm. he said so kind of like submissive i guess yes definitely submissive again she had a dependent personality so she kind of just followed along so in 1983 at the age of 21 she was engaged to another man and then Mm -hmm. she met alton coleman she left her family and her fiance and moved in with Coleman shortly after. So Bruh. I don't know what Coleman's packing, but he oh really he really got to her quickly. Yeah. So although she willingly participated in the crimes that I'm going to tell you about um, mm-hmm. with Coleman, she was never violent or had trouble with the law until she met him. And her mother says Weird. that to this day she curses the day that Deborah met Alton. Oh. So, now we're going to go into Alton Coleman. Mm -hmm. So, Alton Coleman was born on November 6th, 1955 in Waukegan, Illinois. I'm so sorry if I butchered that name. I think it's Waukegan, Illinois. His mother worked three jobs, and he lived with his 73-year-old grandmother. Apparently, Coleman's mother worked as a prostitute and would often have sex with customers in his presence. (gasps) <gasps> no yeah so no that's hor- that's how you make a serial killer exactly right and we're gonna continue because it's just alton coleman's story is the telltale signs of a serial killer and law mm-hmm. enforcement knew it too and i'll get into it so that's he wasn't crazy. the brightest kid and he was often teased by his schoolmates because he would wet his pants sometimes and oh. he earned the nickname pissy because of this Dude, Gary Heidnick, Exactly. Thing. Yeah, so we're just not oh surprised. Oh, God. I'm going to go into... Wait, you're not... This is not going to mm-hmm. be a shock to you. He was a middle <laughs> school dropout. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Known by Illinois law enforcement for committing petty crimes like property damage or setting fires or, like, petty theft. Mm-hmm. These crimes slowly grew until he ended up being charged with sex crimes six times between 1973 and 1984. Oh. So, between the time he was 18 and 29. 
Oh my god. Now I absolutely think that these crimes and people call him people call him in the media that he was like a like a sex addict, like a crazy mm-hmm. whatever. And I think that could easily stem from his childhood and his mother's acts of prostitution. Yeah, for sure. Like, like if you grow up seeing that all the time, like you're gonna think especially that's normal. if you grow up seeing men objectifying women all women all the time yeah especially like your right. mother you believe right. that that's like a normal behavior to have mm-hmm. um and she what she's not teaching him otherwise either like it's not like yeah like uh, doing it in th- front of him that's horrible, horrible. this is so, he claimed i saw this somewhere and i wrote it down and i didn't know if <laughs> i should say it because it's really just like i but I'm going to say it because I think it's kind of okay. funny. I'm so sorry. I literally wrote after this bullet point, I am so sorry, Jesus. <laughs> he claimed to have liked it in the butt. Oh. Good. Mm, good. Good. He was apparently bisexual. Oh, interesting. So he does not discriminate when it comes to these crimes. He is into mm-hmm. them all. Oh, God. I love that. <laughs> so I couldn't God. find all six of these cases, but here are just a few of the sex crimes that he committed like, mm-hmm. during, between, like, 1973 and 1984. Yeah. So, him and an accomplice who wasn't named in 1973 kidnapped, robbed, and raped an elderly woman. <gasps> she no. refused to testify about the rape, so Coleman only <gasps> served two years on the robbery charge. Stop. That's horrible. Yeah. Awful. Three months after his release from those robbery charges, he committed another rape. He was acquitted, but served time for a lesser charge, probably something like theft, like before. I'm, I'm just, like, confused how people that, like, get caught for, like, drugs, like, weed and stuff are in jail longer than literally rapists that will do it again. Like, I I don't know. I don't know what the laws are, but I know there's I too many people. I don't know what the laws are. I don't know what the laws are. I just know there's too many people in jail right now for drugs and not enough people in jail for, like, literally committing rapes. So, I, I, it bothers me. Yeah. I think it bothers everyone. If it doesn't bother you, um, check yourself. (laughs) So, in 1983, Coleman's own sister went to the authorities to tell them that her brother tried to rape her eight-year-old daughter. No. So, his niece. However, three weeks later, she dropped the charges, saying, it's a misunderstanding. A lot of families go through that. It doesn't make any difference now. What? What? And the judge, it was a female judge who was over the case, and she said that she believes Coleman's sister was so terrified of him Mm -hmm. that she just dropped the charges. Oh, my God. So now we're in in either 1983 or early 1984. Different sources Mm -hmm. had different dates. He was indicted for the knife point rape and murder of a 14-year-old girl who was the daughter of his friend. So this is the first murder that he commits oh no and this is right around the time that he and brown who had met and began dating Mm -hmm. or sorry let me restate that this is right around the time that he and brown met and began dating okay and so he was indicted for this and a lot of experts say that they think this is what set him off he said at this point i have nothing to lose Mm -hmm. i'm indicted for murder yeah i'm gonna flee so him and Brown left. No way. And began this insane crime spree that they went on. Holy crap. Um, the other thing that I wanted to mention is that Col- Coleman believed that he had voodoo spirits that protected him from the law. 
Oh, God. Because he often convinced jurors that authorities had the wrong man. Like, more than once, he convinced jurors that authorities had the wrong dude. So this guy was manipulative. He got Mm -hmm. out of a lot of things that he should not have been able to get out of. And police knew that this guy was a monster. But they couldn't do anything about it because jurors kept finding him not guilty. Holy crap, that's insane. They just kind of had to wait for the next thing to happen and hope that a jury would find him guilty and it just never happened. Or the charges were dropped or this, that, and the other thing. He was a free man. That's horrible. Oh, yep. my God. So, Brown and Coleman flee Illinois after he's indicted on the charges of rape and murder of a 14-year-old. And mm-hmm. now, in early May 1984, so this is the beginning of the sprees, yeah. the pair was in Wisconsin. Okay. And they meet Juniata Wheat, who was living in Kenosha, Wisconsin, Wisconsin with her two children, Vernita, who is nine, and a seven-year-old son. Coleman introduces himself as a nearby neighbor and befriends um, Juniata, the mother. Yeah. And she vis- and he visits her and her children over a period of a few weeks and begins to, like, build trust and a relationship with them all under the guise that, like, he's their friendly new neighbor. Oh, wow. So, on May 29th, Juniata gives permission for Vernita to go to, with Coleman to his apartment to pick up some stereo equipment. Mm-hmm. Coleman and Vernita never returned. <gasps> no. Exactly three weeks later, on June 19th, Vernita Wheat's body was found left in an abandoned building all the way <gasps> back in Coleman's hometown of Waukegan, Illinois. Holy shit. Police found a fingerprint at the scene that matched Coleman's. Oh my god, and they couldn't put him in jail? Not yet, because they couldn't find him at this point. So, he must have returned to Waukegan immediately after abducting Vernita, because on May 31st, so two days after he abducted her, he befriended Robert Carpenter, Robert Carpenter of Waukegan, and spent the night at his home. The next day, he borrowed Carpenter's car to go to the store and never returned. So, you'll find that this is a a common theme, is that they steal a lot of cars. This is like (laughs) Grand Theft Auto up in here. Oh, (laughs) my God. They steal a lot of cars. But how does he, like, he must be so, like, persuasive to be able to get people, like, to just, like, befriend someone and then sleep at their house and, like... Yeah, I mean, you've seen, like, he gets juries to believe that he's not guilty. He gets all of these people to trust him. He's, he was described as not being that smart, but he is very manipulative. Mm Mm-hmm. So... Wow. Now it is, um... There's a big time gap here, and I'm not sure if I missed something. I know that I got every single victim in here, but I yeah. might have missed some, like, petty thefts, some armed robberies, things like that. Like, mm-hmm. they committed a lot of armed robberies throughout this time, and so I might have missed a few things in between, but I got every single murder and most of the really prominent um, other, like, in-between crimes that they committed. Yeah. So, again, they abducted... Vernita on May 29th mm-hmm. and then stole Robert Carpenter's car on May 31st and they found Vernita's body on June 19th. Holy crap. Right. Wow. So on June 18th, one mm-hmm. day before Vernita's body was found, yeah. seven-year-old Tamika Turks and her nine-year-old niece Annie, which I don't know how that works because she's seven and her niece is nine, so some weird family dynamic going on there, oh, but okay. like... interesting bless um they were walking home from the candy store in gary indiana when they met brown and coleman 
okay here's where I'm gonna put in my wording that I mentioned before this is very this is a very graphic and sad depiction of sexual assault so it's really sad um if this stuff kind of gets to you I would suggest skipping I don't know how many minutes this is gonna take I would suggest skipping like five minutes um Mm. or just until yeah so this part is very sad it made me very sad to um read and it's one of the most in-depth parts of this case that I could find one of the most detailed parts that I could find so they meet Brown and Coleman on their way home from the candy store and the pair convinces Annie and Tamika to walk into the woods to play a game oh no once there they removed Tamika's shirt and tore it into small strips and used those strips to bind and gag both girls (gasps) no way when Tamika began to cry Brown held her nose and mouth while Coleman stomped on her chest so he stomped on her chest broke a lot of bones and punctured a few organs as well oh no yeah really really sad after carrying tamika a short distance this is so sad holy oh my god after carrying tamika a short distance away annie was forced to perform oral sex on both brown and coleman and then coleman raped her no oh yeah really sad i'm about to cry it's okay um, the pair then choked her until she was unconscious. Oh, my God. And when she woke up, they were gone. She survived? So, Annie survives. Oh, no. However, Tamika was found dead on June 19th, the day later, on the same day that Vernita Wheat's body was found. Holy shit. So, Tamika's found dead in bushes nearby, and she was strangled with an elastic strip from a bed sheet. The same fabric was found later in the apartment that Coleman and Brown had shared. Oh, wow. In Illinois. So, this is really disturbing and gruesome. I, like, I try, God, it's so hard to picture it, too. So, while Annie survived the attack, she Mm -hmm. had cuts so deep that her intestines were protruding into her vagina. (gasps) Oh, my God, stop. Yeah. (gasps) Oh. Oh, my God. Terrible. Absolutely heartbreaking. And she watched all of that happen to her aunt. I mean, when you're at that age, you probably consider her, like, like, your cousin, but, like, or, like, your friend. But Tamika was technically Annie's Annie's aunt. Mm Mm-hmm. And so she had to watch all that happen, and she survived it. Oh, Um, my God. And Annie's injuries left the family with $15,000 in medical bills. Shut up. And yeah. they had to pay for that? Insurance didn't pay for all of it. I know that insurance paid for some of it, but not all of it. Wow. I never really think about that. Like, in crimes where, like, someone attacks you, attacks you, like, you have to pay for, like, medical bills and stuff. Yeah. I'm sure there's some kind of, like, legal proceedings you can go through to ha- yeah. not have to pay for that. But um, it's still something you have to worry about. It definitely is. Um, and I think the, the family was- problem is... The mental trauma is worse than any medical De- Absolutely, the mental trauma is worse. Um, I didn't write this down because I wasn't going to talk about it, but um, I guess I will. So, um, the family went through a lot of trauma after this, obviously. Um, sure. Tamika's mom had to move farther away. Um, still yeah. in, she still lived in Indiana, but just not in Gary anymore. Um, and Tamika and Annie's grandmother was so distraught by everything that happened that she attempted to commit suicide. (gasps) 
No I, way. I read somewhere that she had committed suicide, and I read, read somewhere else that she had attempted to commit suicide. So I'm not sure oh, wow. exactly what happened. And then I also read that after the fact, Annie would wake up screaming, <gasps> or she would just have, like, she would just go into, like, fits from, like, the mental trauma. So wow. really, really sad. Um, but so... Um, Tamika Turks now becomes the second victim of Coleman and Brown after Vernita Wheat, and they were found on the same day in different That's states. Insane. Yeah. Oh, wow. In different states. So I wonder, states. I doubt they were connected at first. Yeah, I'm not sure if they originally thought that they were connected, but Annie survived and could probably tell police yeah. what Brown looked like. Yeah, that's true. And I think... I think someone might have known that it was Coleman who killed Vernita. I yeah, think it, it had to it have, been, have been. It would be different if her name was Annie, right? You said. Yeah. If Annie had had died as well, I feel like the story could have been different. Like I'm not sure how it goes from here, but like if there was no survivors there, it would have been so hard to connect those two. Absolutely, but um, Vernita's mother, Juniata, remember? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That so obviously oh, Juniata, she remembers him. Obviously Juniata knows that it was Coleman. Yeah. Um, and then Annie could probably, like, identify him as well. Right. So, I'm sure that they figured out these were connected pretty early on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially because the bodies were found on the same day. And how did he not think that the mother would not know that he was the one that did it? Oh, I'm sure he knew, but again, he had nothing to lose at this point. Yeah, you're right. So. It's so frustrating, like, why would he It is frustrating. So. It's just dumb. Get this. On the same day, June 19th, the same day both of their bodies are found, Coleman befriends Donna Williams, a 25-year-old from Gary, Indiana. Mm -hmm. She only knew him for a short time before she and her car both disappeared. Oh my god. On July 11th, she was found strangled to death in Detroit, Michigan. What? Her car was found in an alley close by, and witnesses say that the car had been there since June 19th, the day that she went (gasps) missing. Shut up. So on the same, so he killed, let's just, I'm just trying to like, let you know like how close together all of these are. On May 29th is probably the day that he killed Verniata Wheat. Mm-hmm. On June 18th, he killed Tamika Turks. On June 19th, he kills Donna Williams and Tamika Holy. and, and Vernita's bodies are found. Wow. Yeah. And Sorry, I keep saying he, but keep in mind that Deborah was involved in all of these. Right. So Deborah Brown was also involved in all of these crimes. Right. But again, she was kind of blindly following him. Yeah. So, yeah. So on July 11th, she was found strangled to death in an abandoned house or an abandoned building in Detroit, Michigan. Um, inside her car was a forged ID card with Brown's photo. Oh. So he is really not trying to what? keep it hidden. He knows that there is nothing to lose. He is on this spree. And yeah, seriously. he's just doing anything and everything that he can. Um, and so now police in four states are looking for Brown and Coleman. Holy operating shit. on the assumption that Donna Williams was dead, even though we know that she wasn't found until early July. Yeah. So she was killed on June 19th, but wasn't found until July 11th. Wow. So those four states are Wisconsin, Illinois, Indiana, and Michigan. The sad, the really sad thing about Donna Williams' case is that there was never any justice because Michigan, where Donna was found and most likely murdered, didn't have the death penalty, and therefore, when it came down to it, prosecutors 
pursued cases from other states that would more than likely result in capital punishment. So they oh, never wow. tried Brown or Coleman on Donna Williams' case. Holy shit, seriously? Yeah. So they just nothing happened? Like, yep. nothing for her specifically? Like, that's yeah. horrible. Okay. So, June 19th, they murder Donna Williams, bring her to Detroit, Michigan. On June 28th, in Dearborn Heights, Michigan, Coleman and Brown entered the home of Mr. and Mrs. Palmer Jones and beat them severely. Coleman ripped their telephone from the wall before stealing their money and their car. So this is one of these in-between cases. No one died, but they did a lot of armed robberies. So this is just one of those in-between things. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Oh, my God. So this is just one of those in-between things. Um, It was an armed robbery. I'm sure they were beaten severely, but they lived. So they're good. Um, I mean, they're not good kind of sucks <laughs> definitely not good um so now that was on june 28th on july 5th coleman and brown are now in toledo ohio what my brother's birthday oh happy birthday ryan perfect <laughs> oh god so they're now in toledo ohio so ohio is now the fifth state okay. they befriend virginia temple temple oh. woo. hey a mother of several children um when huh? temple stopped respond several oh, uh, it oh, didn't oh. it didn't say exactly how many kids oh. <laughs> <laughs> several is enough <laughs> yeah so when temple stops responding to her relatives they enter her home and discover the children alone and extremely frightened virginia oh. and her oldest daughter nine-year-old rochelle were found strangled to death in a crawl space <gasps> in the house holy crap brown and coleman had also robbed them oh my god yeah why do they feel they need to kill like, the kid? It's, they're sick. And Coleman, it said that he, like, when it came to, like, sexual encounters, he did not care. You could be a man, woman, you could be elderly, you could be, like, five years old. And yeah. He did not care. Um, that's insane. Normally they have, like, an MO, but he just, like. Exactly. That's something that I was going to bring up later was that he is described as, um, He's described as a disorganized serial killer. Very yeah. few of his cases oh, so had that much in common, except he did strangle most people, I think. Yeah. And he typically stayed in black neighborhoods because he could blend in there. But other than that, it was wow. kind of random. They didn't target people. They didn't stalk people. It was just That's kind insane. of whoever they could get their hands on. He just befriended people and then took advantage of them. Yeah, basically. absolutely. Um. So on the same morning of the Temple murders... Mm-hmm. The pair enters the home of Frank and Dorothy Duvendak, I think is mm-hmm. their last name. Okay. Um, they bound the couple and cut appliance and phone cords. Oh. And then took their money and their car. Wow. On the same day, so now they've killed Virginia and Rochelle that morning. They've committed an armed robbery in the Duvendak household. And now they befriend Reverend Millard Gay and his wife, Catherine, in Dayton, Ohio. They stay with the Gays for a few days. Okay. And accompany them to a religious service on July 9th. No, you're kidding. Yeah. They, like, go to church with them? Yeah. So Brown and Coleman befriend these people, go to church with them. What? Stay with them in their house. And then the next day, so July 10th, the couple drops off Coleman and Brown in Cincinnati, Ohio. Holy shit. Yep. So they didn't, he didn't, they didn't hurt them? 
No, he didn't hurt them. They just like were friends with him. Yeah, and, like, they were just friends. And then just kind of used. Chilling. I guess he kind of used them to get ahead. Yeah. Um. And again, they are committing so many crimes at once. I'm sure finding a place that will take them for a few days where they can just like freaking chill and not kill anyone yeah. probably a nice thing. So, on July 10th, Reverend Millard Gay and Catherine drop off Brown and Coleman in Cincinnati. Right. On July 11th, the next day, mm-hmm. 15-year-old girl from Cincinnati, Tony Story, was reported missing after not returning home from school. Oh One of her God. classmates testified that she saw Coleman talking to Tony on the day that she went missing. No way. That's insane. Mm-hmm. Th- this is so fucked. Yeah. Wow. On July 12th, the FBI added Coleman to its 10 most wanted <gasps> list as a special wow. edition, which is super rare. Holy crap. So they it's know. So, like, it's so fast paced. They know that like. Yeah. They know it's... who's doing it. All of these states are in on it together. They know wow. who they're looking for. And so he's added to the 10 most wanted list. That's horrifying. Eight days after she went missing, Tony's story was found raped and murdered in an abandoned building. She had been strangled oh. to death. No. Here's the kicker. A bracelet that had been stolen from the Temple family in Toledo was found underneath her body. Holy shit. So all of these cases are very easily connected to each yeah. other. They're so messy. It's yeah. like they're doing it on purpose. Like you Absolutely. have to be like you have to like literally do it on purpose to be that dumb about it. Like well, how again, can you just like can leave I it onto you, their body? Her IQ is in like the sixties and yeah. he was also not that smart. Yeah. But so, even then, like, my God. Yeah. So, they're all very easily connected. They know who they're looking for. It's just a matter of getting to them before they kill the next person. Yeah. But how, they can't even track them because Exactly, because like, they're across five different states at this point. Right. So, now, Coleman and Brown bicycle into Norwood, Ohio. I assume they stole bicycle? some... I, I assume they stole some bicycles. <gasps> <laughs> Shut up. Oh, my God. Can you just imagine these two, like whack-ass like people just like serial killers literally just on a bike. bicycling into town i never want to see someone i know as a serial killer on a bicycle that just makes it worse if i ever see you on a bicycle i'm running <laughs> i'm not a serial killer <laughs> oh my god one of the it's fbi is gonna be like um we knew all along because of <laughs> the podcast <laughs> the podcast really just uh let us know yeah, I'm not so... A, disclaimer, not a serial killer, thank you very much. <laughs> me neither, but okay, you never well. accuse me of that, so it's not really an issue. Oh my god. <laughs> okay. So, they kill Tony Story on July 11th, and on July 13th, they bicycle into Norwood, Ohio. I can't. I, can, yeah, I, I can't. really can't get it with the bicycle. Just don't even say it. They you just, they ride in. Head. They roll up, too. Like, they d- ride in, in is worse. It sounds like they're on a horse. Oh my god, you're right. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> Okay, that's even worse, though. Imagine them on two, like, Shetland ponies. (laughs) (laughs) Like, their feet are, like, touching the ground because the horses are, like, too small. Oh, my God. In good old Norwood, Ohio. Oh, the things you see in Norwood. It looks, it sounds about right. Like, some people just rolling into Ohio, like, freaking, like, horse and horse and buggying it, you know? We're in the 80s, Sarah. (laughs) It's not like that. Okay, well, like... We still have the, the Amish, you know? Maybe the, maybe they're going for an Amish vibe for this one, you know? They're on like bicycles. They're not up. actually on horses. They're on bicycles. <laughs> yeah, now I'm, like, actually acting like they're on horses. They're not. Disclaimer. They are not on horses. They ride they be on trans- Can we change Ohio? it? Can they be on green machines? What the fuck is a green machine? You know those, like, tricycles, but, like, 
they're green and they're huge and they have really big wheels. <laughs> like big wheels? Like they're called is big that, wheels, aren't they? What is they, that what they're called? I think that's I, what I think called. I called it the green machine. That's you're weird. Oh, okay, well, people called it that, so. Anyway. You know what else I'm thinking of right now? What? I was like, Coleman and Brown rode into Norwood, Ohio on July 13th, and all I can think of is that joke. A cowboy rides into town on a Friday. He stays for three days and then leaves oh. on Friday. How does he do it? The horse's What's the name was Friday. <laughs> the big wheel's name was the green machine. <laughs> we have to stop this. We have to continue. Okay. Okay. But I have to get through this Don't sentence. say the word bicycling again or else I'm going to lose my shit. Coleman and Brown ride Enter. bikes into No! Norway. I have to say it. That's a key <sighs> part. Fine. Wait, Coleman, is it really? Does this apply later? No, the bikes? I, just, I feel like I should. Okay. Okay. Coleman so they Brown, went from stealing cars to stealing bikes? Bikes become a... There are multiple bikes involved in this story. Are you kidding? They I'm love stealing cars every time. and bikes. <laughs> oh, my God. Be Coleman prepared. and Brown arrive in Norwood, Ohio on July Thank 13th you. around 9.30 in the morning. Okay. Oh, my God. It's at 9.30 in the morning? They're not even, like... Ro- oh, it's oh my morning God. stroll. What are they going to get, like, bikes? Like, like, brunch after? Like, what shut the hell? Oh, my God. Shut up. Anyway. Oh so, <laughs> oh, they go to the home... <laughs> <laughs> they go to the home of Harry and Marlene Walters. Okay. Side note, all I think of when I hear the name Marlene is that vine where she's like, oh my god, Marlene, your speech was like so good. Do you know that vine? And she's like, oh my god, yes. thanks, I didn't even try it. It's like, why can't you accept the freaking compliment? Oh my god. You know that vine? I love that vine. Anyway. And her face gets all like distorted. Yes. Oh my god, Marlene, your speech was like so good. It's, yeah. You sound like every sorority girl right now, rushing. Oh my no god, it is, it is rush right now. But uh the sorority girls are out. They are out and they are not playing. <laughs> At Temple yesterday, and Penn State. It's it's dude, rush here too. I know. Yesterday I was in um Matt's room and we were watching like because Matt's room has like an overlook off of like the whole like walkway around Temple. And so we were just watching as all of these girls in parkas were like parkas and like little booties. Like <laughs> like booty like ankle booties. booties yeah. Ankle booties, yeah. We're like walking in the cold like all going to the same place they all looked identical and i was like oh my god <laughs> hi sisters, hi, sisters. <laughs> hi, sisters. <laughs> oh and today today we were walking after well we did go to brunch so i can't shit on having brunch because i did that today so after <laughs> did you brunch, ride in on a bicycle i did <laughs> i rented a city bike <laughs> no. so we're walking past this one like performing arts center or whatever and there's, like, 18 girls outside, and they're all in the same shade of pink, like, wearing the same pink dresses and, like, super high heels, and they're all taking pictures together, and I was like, this is, this is not what I want, you know? <laughs> I just could not do a sorority simply because of that. That It triggered me. It, it triggered me. Anyway. Uh, anyway. Norwood, Ohio, July 13th, right. 9.30 a.m. They go to the home of Harry and Marlene Walters, and they inquire okay. about a camper that Harry was selling. Oh. So, first cars, now bikes, now a goddamn camper. They're going They're camping. They're going to RV it. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. So, while Walters sat on the couch and discussed the camper with Coleman, yes. Coleman picks up a wooden candlestick to admire it. Oh, yeah. And proceeds really... to whack Harry <laughs> Walters on the back of the head with it. <laughs> he doinks him. He doinks him. Did he double doink him, though? The double doink. Go birds. <laughs> Go birds. So 
back to the candlestick. Okay. Cool. It was mustard. Oh my god! In, no, stop! This is literally Clue. It was mustard in the hall <laughs> with the candlestick. So the impact broke the candlestick and drove oh. a chunk of bone <gasps> against Walter's brain, which Ooh. caused him to remember little else that happened. Are you for real? Yeah, Ew, so dude. he hit him so hard with that goddamn candlestick that he had amnesia. <laughs> he had oh my god! Loss. Oh my god! Oh my god! That's horrible. It is really hard. It gets worse. Okay. Does he? Does he die via candlestick? Because no. So right, Sherry Walters, so the daughter of Harry and Marlene, mm-hmm. returns home after work that day oh. around three forty-five p.m. Mm-hmm. and finds her mother dead at the bottom of the basement <gasps> steps. Oh no! That's bad. Her father bad. survived. From the doink doink? From the doink. He survived oh, the candlestick doink. Okay. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. The candlestick doink. Can that be, doink. like, the, the like the quote for this episode? Yes. The candlestick yes. double doink. Okay. So, both of them had were strangled and had electrical cords tied around their feet. But, again, Harry survived. Oh. Okay. Um, Harry had his hands handcuffed behind his back. Don't know where these bitches got handcuffed. <laughs> Maybe Harry and Marlene were freaky. Maybe Coleman oh. and Brown were freaky. But I don't know where they got them oh. from. But they had handcuffs. Damn. Okay. Marlene's hands were bound and there was a bloody sheet over her head. Oh my god. Here's where this That's is like, scary. this is like, sad. Um, <laughs> so, it gets sad. So the coroner indicated that Marlene had been bludgeoned on the head approximately 20 to 25 times with 12 lacerations, (gasps) some of which were made with a pair of locking pliers. Oh, my God. So that's great. The back of her skull was crushed to pieces. Oh, my God. Seriously? And parts of her skull and brain were missing. No. No. Oh, ew, ew. How do you even crack someone's skull that hard? Like, I feel like even if, like, I don't know how easy your, your skull cracks, but it's like a helmet, right? Kind of? I guess. It's strong bone. Yeah, it's it's strong bone, but, like, they cracked oh. it. <clears throat> oh, my God. So, that is so scary. Ew. The, and imagine, like, the daughter coming home to that. Yeah. And, like, the dad, oh my God. the dad survived, like, knowing that his but, wife, like, But also can't remember it. I'd rather not remember that. Yeah, honestly, me too, but, like, it's still awful. But he's still, like, told what happened. Yeah. Jesus. So, the living room, hallway, and basement. <laughs> still Clue. <laughs> Two of those are rooms in Clue. The living room oh and the hall. Oh, my God. <laughs> Whatever. So, the living Perfect. room, hallway, and basement were splattered with blood, and shards of broken of a broken soda bottle with Coleman's fingerprints were found in the living room. God, he's so stupid. It hurts. Yeah. Bloody footprints made by two different kinds of shoes were found in the basement. Who so the hell know, do we think that was? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, do they know the whole time that the wife is also involved? I think they know that she's involved. Well, and it's they, not, they they're must. just dating, but. Oh, oh. They must because, like. They live Juniata? together and both of them are is missing. That, that was her name? What like, was her name? Deborah. People, many people. Her no, no, Juniata is the one, the, the mom whose daughter got murder right right she must know too that it was a couple like all these people no yeah they all met brown as well okay so yeah they know it's both of them yeah so the walters car which was a red plymouth reliant was missing as well as money jewelry and shoes coleman and brown left behind the bicycles (laughs) oh my god and previous items that they had stolen (laughs) what the hell they're like oh we got this uh nice car i'm gonna just ditch them we got a plymouth we're gonna say goodbye to the goddamn mountain bikes (laughs) 
are saying goodbye to the Shetland ponies. <laughs> Put in the back of the stable. <laughs> okay. Let roam around the neighborhood. So, right. now, we are in Kentucky, state number six. We're getting to the Yee-haw. end of this spree. We're almost there. Kentucky okay. Fried Chicken, we are in Kentucky. <laughs> KFC, here we are. They definitely smashed a couple, like, gallons of of KFC down, you know? I want KFC like now. the buckets? I'm I hungry. I've never had KFC in my Me life. Me neither, but I want it. What? But, okay. Do they even have KFC? It's just at, all... At, I don't know if they have KFC here. KFC. There is a chicken place downtown, which I might be going to tonight. I will let... Oh. Podcast listeners, if you're thinking of going to Penn State, I will let you know if that chicken is good or not. <laughs> I okay. got you. I, I'll hook you up. Is that what's going to determine if they go to Penn State or not? Oh, yes. I guess you mean... Okay. Yes, like, for, the like, chicken. New, for, like, people applying to Penn State should know, like, if the chicken's good or not? Yeah, they should know. Okay, cool. That's the... That's the that's a deal breaker. It's definitely a deal breaker, and it's something that I feel as a student at the Pennsylvania State University, the Pennsylvania State, oh, fuck, the, the, the Pennsylvania, <laughs> the Pencil State. <laughs> That's honestly, Pennsylvania is, like, the Pencil State. Like, I feel like there's nothing more than just, like, a pencil. Like, I think of Pennsylvania, what? and it's just, like, one pencil sitting there. Like, it's so no. bland. No. Are you out of your mind? Philly is cool. But it's, but like, Philly, Pittsburgh, like- and then... Oh, my dad told me this quote once. He was like, Pennsylvania is like, you got Pittsburgh on one side, Philadelphia on the other, and then the middle is Tennessee. <laughs> exactly. Like, Something if like you, that. if someone from, like, like, North Dakota thinks about Pennsylvania, like, what do they, what do they even imagine? Ben Franklin? What? Pennsylvania, people probably see, like, apples, the Amish, yeah. And the oh, eagles. the Amish. The Amish. Apples, Amish, Eagles. Yeah. That is Pennsylvania in a That's nutshell. That's a good motto. Apples, Eagles, Amish. Yeah. We love that. Yeah. Anyway, we're not talking about Pennsylvania. We're in Kentucky. <sighs> yeah, okay? right. Okay. So, the Walters Plymouth, that nice-ass car. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's a nice car. I'm just kidding. I, have n- I don't know cars, whatever. Was no, found abandoned in Kentucky two days later. How do they go, like, so far? I know. They're- these bulls traveling, like, through the night. And the couple had kidnapped Aline Carmichael Jr. I think that's okay. his name. A college professor from Williamsburg, what? Kentucky. <laughs> and they okay. locked Carmichael in the trunk of his own car. Oh, my God. Wait, and y'all. Hold up. Well, this is back in the day. They probably didn't have those, like, opening, like, lock things. But just so you know, like, trunks of cars now have glow-in-the-dark like release hatches so if you're ever in the trunk of your own car literally i have done it like next time you get the chance to be in the trunk of your own car just do it which i hope is not soon no 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 no. i found out about this and then had my parents help me they put me in the trunk of my car (laughs) and then i had to look for the release lock so i could get out but it's good to know where it is so that if someone does this to you you know how to get out yeah so, anyway, so they... Disclaimer for you to be safe. Yes. So, they kidnap Aline and they drive back from Kentucky to Dayton, Ohio, mm-hmm. with him locked in the trunk the entire time. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, on July 17th, they abandon the car in Dayton, with him still mm-hmm. locked in the trunk, abandon him. Oh, shit. And police end up rescuing him from the car. <gasps> no so way. So, he survives. I don't know How? why they didn't what? just, like... 
leave him on the side of the road when they stole the car, but they decided yeah, to well, put him in the back and take him on a little joyride. You know? <clears throat> that's, that's fun. Normal, you know? Mm-hmm. So now, we are back in Dayton, Ohio, and do you remember who we met in Dayton, Ohio? Um... Absolutely not, because there are so many names. We met Reverend Gay and his That's wife, what I thought. Catherine. That's what I was going to guess. But, yes. okay, so now so we're we back, are back in church. Dayton. We, you know... We're good churchgoers We now, go, and we return to the home of the Reverend and Mrs. Gay. No. Mm-hmm. Why? So, Coleman and Brown return, like, and the hey, Reverend the Reverend now recognizes Coleman, because he's now the suspect, or the, oh, the shit. point... What? Oh. I said, okay. So, the Reverend now recognizes Coleman, because now he is the subject of a nationwide manhunt. He is on the top no. ten... Um, he knows now that this dude is not someone that he wants to take to church with him on Sunday. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the duo is armed, and Reverend Gay asks them, why do you want to do us like that, like this? According oh. to the Reverend, Coleman responded, I'm not going to kill you, but we generally kill him where we go. Oh, my God. That's so scary. So maybe they had a little bit of a soft spot in their hearts for the Reverend yeah. and Catherine because they didn't kill them. Instead, they just what? steal their car. <laughs> oh, my God. Another what? car. So Coleman and Brown steal their car and head back for Evanston, Illinois. Along Gee, the way. Why did they even bother going back to Ohio? Well, they had the car. They could have just yeah. dropped him off on I the side no of the idea. road and, like. But a, a common theme in this case is when they steal cars, they don't have the car for more than 24 hours. Oh, I guess that's kind of smart, but not at all. Yeah, like, so they why'd steal... Why'd you go back to Ohio to, to get another car? Like, yeah, what? so they steal the gays' car. The gays' okay. car. I know, I just... Every time you say the gays, I'm like, hmm? Yeah, so they steal the gays' car, hmm? head back for Evanston. Along the way, they stole another car in Indianapolis and killed its owner, 75-year-old <gasps> Eugene Scott. Oh, stop. That's horrible. This is the eighth and final murder victim in the case. Jesus. The last person they kill is 75-year-old Eugene Scott. And side note, I imagined this scenario, like, Mm -hmm. in GTA when they, like, throw someone out of the car and steal it. Yes, that's exactly what I imagined. I don't know if that ran through anyone else's head, but that's absolutely what went through my head. When they just, like, roll up to a car, just rip the person out of the car. Open the door, rip them out. Yep. Peace out, except they killed Eugene. Rest in peace. Mr. Scott. That's so terrible. Yeah, very sad. Um, so they kill Eugene Scott, and mm-hmm. they are now in Evanston, Illinois, back in their home state. Um, what the fuck? So just, they just they, they just completed a tour, a tour of they six really states. Did. Um, oh, a nice little God. road trip, if mm-hmm. I may say. Pretty eventful. Yeah, pretty eventful. You know, actually, I don't think that much happened. Do you think that much happened? Oh, um, no. No, kind of a boring, kind of a boring road trip. You know? Yeah, not as. Yeah, no, boring. not much to see. You know. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh God. <laughs> it's horrible. So, three days later, on July twentieth, Coleman and Brown are walking westward across an intersection in Evanston, and they mm-hmm. pass immediately in front of a man in a car at the red light, who was from Coleman's neighborhood in Waukegan, oh. Illinois. Mm-hmm. He recognizes Coleman and drove north to a gas station and immediately notified police. So a description of the two was broadcast to police. Oh, good. As officers enter the area that they think Coleman and Brown are in, a detective sees them sitting on bleachers in Mason what? Park. 
but what? noted that they were wearing different t-shirts than the description that they were sent. Mm. So, as the detective reports this, two sergeants who are driving by the park heard it, turned, and saw Coleman and Brown. No way. As they approach Coleman, the officers see that Brown's walking away and going towards the rear of the park. So, they've split up now and they're walking in different directions. Mm-hmm. The detective joins the two sergeants and Coleman was approached for questioning. He had no identification, provided two different aliases, and said that he was not Alton Coleman. Okay. Meanwhile, two other officers stopped Brown as she tried to exit the park, searched her, and found a gun in her purse. Perfect. So the pair were taken into custody without incident and transported to the Evanston Police Department in Illinois, where both were identified by their fingerprints as Alton Coleman and Deborah Brown. Holy hell. So finally... Police have them in custody. They know who these people are. They know the shit that they've done. Here mm-hmm. we go. So Coleman is strip searched and a steak knife was found between oh. two pairs of the socks he was wearing. Oh my God. When he, they were taken into custody, they had a shopping bag full of varied t-shirts and caps. So officers okay. learned that the pair stopped every three to four blocks as they walked and changed shirts and hats. Oh, What? So, they're not that stupid. I mean, some of the stuff that they did was kind of smart, but at the same time, still yeah. dumb. Yeah. So, a week after they're arrested, more than 50 law enforcement officials from Illinois, Wisconsin, Michigan, Indiana, Kentucky, and Ohio mm-hmm. meet to plan their strategy for prosecuting Coleman and Brown. Oh, my God. Because they had committed crimes within each state. Obviously, all of these officers want the death penalty. That is their ultimate goal in this. They want both of these people to meet their maker, capital punishment, all that good stuff. So this is why Michigan is quickly ruled out because it didn't have capital punishment. Oh, wow. I see. So they're trying to decide who should get the first attempt out of the states to sentence Coleman and Brown. Um, So eventually it's decided to give Ohio the first shot. Mm-hmm. Um, and an attorney, a U.S. attorney, Dan K. Webb, said, We are convinced that prosecution in Ohio can most quickly and most likely result in the swiftest imposition of the death mm. penalty against Alton Coleman and Deborah Brown. Okay, because, like, different states have, have, like, maybe, like, slower processes. Right, processes. or just, you know, different <clears throat> levels of support yeah. for the capital punishment, whatever okay. it may be. And also... So Ohio- was the best bet for them to be sentenced. And also because of the crimes that they had committed in Ohio. Yeah, yeah. So, the state of Ohio convicted Coleman and Brown, finding them guilty of the rape and murder of Tony Story in Cincinnati and Marlene Walters in Norwood, but Mm -hmm. not for the murder of Virginia Temple and Rochelle Temple in Toledo. Oh, wow. Not really sure why they weren't included in that, but they weren't. Coleman and Brown were both sentenced to death in Ohio. Oh, okay. And the appeals process began. So, Coleman's case was sent to the U.S. Supreme Court several times between 1985 and 2002. What? But his numerous arguments that his conviction and death sentence were unconstitutional failed. No one believed that. Yeah. So, um... So, on April 25, 2002, the Ohio Supreme Court rejected a claim by Coleman's attorneys that the state's plan to accommodate the large number of victims and survivors who wanted to view the execution Mm. would turn it into, like, a spectator sport. So, basically, all of these victims and survivors wanted to go and watch this dude get executed. They were like, fuck you, we're going to watch you die, like, whatever. 
so they were allowed to these victim survivors were allowed to witness the execution so they set up a closed circuit viewing venue outside of the building oh my god for his last meal coleman ordered a well-done filet mignon smothered with mushrooms Mm -hmm. fried chicken breasts a salad with french dressing sweet potato pie topped with whipped cream french fries collard greens onion rings cornbread broccoli with melted cheese biscuits and gravy and a cherry coke oh my god cherry coke has sponsored this podcast and that (laughs) sponsored by cherry coke and on april 26th 2002 while reciting psalm 23 alton coleman was executed by lethal injection in the death chamber at the southern ohio correctional facility in lucasville ohio holy shit what about the wife what the wife okay i'll get there or the girlfriend so coleman had received two death sentences from ohio and Mm -hmm. one apiece from illinois and indiana okay at the time of his execution he was the only condemned person in the united states to have death sentences in three states wow so that's crazy this dude was insane yep so brown who was originally sentenced to be executed in ohio like i said Mm -hmm. before had her death sentence commuted to life in prison by Governor Richard Celeste in 1991. What? In commuting Brown's sentence, Governor Celeste cited her low IQ scores ranging from 59 to 74 yeah. and her, like, master-slave relationship with Coleman. hmm This is what I found weird, though. Brown was one of eight Ohio death row inmates to have her sentence commuted by Celeste, a staunch opponent oh. of capital punishment, a week before he left office weird so i don't think this guy i don't think governor celeste really thought that she like was innocent or anything but he just hated capital punishment and he was about to leave office so he took a bunch of them off death row ew that's horrible that's like fucked up i don't know here's the other thing that i love okay i I don't love it's all awful but um yeah kind of made me giggle a little bit Mm -hmm. despite her non-violent history before the spree Mm-hmm. brown initially like was not like apologetic during the sentencing mm. phase of her first ohio trial which got her sentenced to death brown sent a note to the judge which read in part i killed the bitch and i don't give a damn i had <gasps> fun out of it oh my god see like why why should that person get life in jail rather than the death sentence like obviously she knew what she was doing right So, she was given a death sentence for the murder of Tamika Turks from Indiana. However, that sentence was ultimately commuted to 140 years imprisonment in 2018. What? Yeah. Damn, she's still alive? She is, yeah. So, she is going to spend her entire life in prison, but she, her death sentence was commuted. So... She is currently serving her sentence without possibility of parole at the Dayton Correctional Institution in Dayton, Ohio. Hmm. Brown finally showed remorse for her crimes when she apologized to the families of her and Coleman's victims in a video in 2005. In a video? Yeah. I don't know if I'd want to watch that if I was a member of those families. But yeah, so that's the case. Really, really crazy. Wow. Wow. So these two just went on a complete and utter insane crime spree throughout six Mm -hmm. states. um, And they got away with a lot more than I think they would have in modern day. 
Oh, for sure. For sure. I feel like so, nowadays with all like security cameras and like yes, and ways like to license track plate recognitions at like yeah. borders and things like that, I don't think they would have gotten through six I states with all been... of those stolen cars. They oh just my wouldn't God. have. Yeah. It, I think. It, the thing that sucks the most about this case is that law enforcement has always known that Coleman was a monster. Right, Even before they just he met him. Brown, they knew that he was well, a monster. Yeah. yeah. But they were helpless because he manipulated jury after jury and he was just allowed right. to roam free. That's terrible. I know. Absolutely terrible. Um, I thought that this case was super interesting just because of how disorganized they were. Like, this wasn't Seriously. some kind of, like, we can't talk about MO. We can't talk about common... Mm-hmm things that happened because they were just going around killing whoever they could yeah. and it's hard to believe that it got as far as it did right especially how like like you said how unorganized they are right it's just weird that they can i i feel like it's also like you said like part of the time like i feel like nowadays with the amount of social media we have and like news broadcasting like everyone would know about this at all times yeah. you know so by the time authorities caught up to them on july 20th 1984 they had committed at least eight murders, seven rapes, three kidnappings, and 14 armed robberies. Holy shit. And they weren't caught until... Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. insane. Absolutely crazy. And they happened so fast. Yeah. So... If they had slowed down and tried to spread out these like, they been crimes, it would, they would have been caught right away. Yeah. But they were one after the other. Literally, like, the day of yeah. the murder... They'd just keep going. That's insane. But it was very fast. It only took place from July or from May to July. Mm. So insane. Absolutely. And normally crazy. you hear about serial killers that like take breaks for three years or like, Yeah, yeah. You know, at least it's like like a, a month later they they kill yeah. again. Like by you get the some, taste for it once and then you By wait. some definitions, they're considered spree killers, not serial killers, but they're serial killers. They're serial it depends killers. on, like, what you look at. Most people consider oh, them serial killers. Oh, because a spree killer, like, someone that does it really, really quick. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Hmm. So, yeah. So, that is like Alden Coleman and Deborah Brown. Wow. The Bonnie and Clyde story. of the Midwest. Well, <laughs> yeah, literally. Yeah. Jesus. So, what do you think? Did you like it? I did like it. I mean, it's awful, but... It's awful. That was Absolutely an interesting awful. story. It's, it's interesting to hear serial killers of spree killers that are not like so organized mm-hmm. and like obviously um also like dumb like, no serial killers yeah dumb serial like killers. a lot of the time when you hear about serial killers they have super high iqs they carry exactly. things out super exactly. meticulously mm-hmm. and these people are just they are just winging it yeah they like, are just... watching watching like the ted bundy thing today so netflix just put out the confessions of a killer like the ted bundy tapes or whatever mm-hmm. and i just started watching the first episode and even then like he was so smart about everything he did like you would never guess it would be someone like him yeah especially just because the way he acted and how like organized he was and so to see people like this um it's interesting to see how they're like literally so unorganized but Absolutely. that's why they got caught so fast because they're stupid but also, it's insane that they did that much within the time they had. And they didn't get caught sooner. Right. So, yeah. Interesting story. Yeah. So, I hope you guys all enjoyed episode six of Flagged, the story of Alton Coleman and Deborah Brown. Yeehaw. 
guess what? I know, Jennings, I'm so sad that you can't be there, but on, um, what day is it? Let's peep. Um, how do I peep the clock here? In oh, yeah, I already know what you're about to say. Whatever, it's fine. In, like, one week, maybe, in six days, I'm going to see my favorite murder live. Sarah and Alyssa, who we had on the podcast before, if you remember her, Mm-hmm. They are going to see My Favorite Murder in Philadelphia, and um, I'm not going, and I'm really salty about it, but um, it's fine. Like, I'll get over it maybe someday, possibly, <laughs> when I'm dead. Next time they come on tour, well, you can, we can go. We can um, haul ass to Philly again. Absolutely. Yep. So, yeah. Well, also, when you bought the tickets, I was still living in Rhode Island. Very true. But if also, I knew, if I knew that it was Would hap- you really come down here from Penn State? Yeah, it's, it's on really like a not Thursday that... night. It's on like a Thursday night. Oh, if it's on a Thursday, never mind. I'm just kidding. Yeah. So. Yeah. But yeah, so I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Um, I had fun recording it from different I know. parts of the state this time. That was interesting. I know. So yeah. Yeah. Very interesting technique. We're on FaceTime right now. With We're on FaceTime. We can like hear each other and know what the hell's going on. Yeah. But yeah, that this wasn't, I, I feel like. I was expecting it to be um, weird, but it's not. It's fine. Yeah, no, I I was expecting this to be, like, a very strange, <laughs> like, I was expecting us to ha- run into a lot of issues, but we really didn't. Me too. Yeah, this, there was really no problem. I hope this knock on wood editing goes smoothly. <laughs> yep, knocking on. <laughs> it sounded like metal, but it's wood. It's wood. We promise. <laughs> it's wood. So, yeah, thank you guys so much for listening, and we will see you guys again. I think February 9th is the next time. We okay. release. Maybe we can do like a Valentine's Day <gasps> kind of thing. Yes. <gasps> oh, I'll have to look up someone like you. Valentine's have Day to page. find a Valentine's Day case, please. Okay, I'll try my very best. Try your very best. All right, sister. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening, and we will see you very, very soon. Bye. Bye.